this week on Just Like That, the number one Mike Goldberg-inspired podcast on the planet. We will recap UFC Fight Night, Volkov vs. Aspinall, hit you with our segments, Isn't He Awesome, and Real World Callouts. And last but not least, we will preview UFC Fight Night, Blades vs. Dawkins. Here we go. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Just Like That. We will jump right into it here today. We got a UFC London recap real quick and then a uh, fight night preview. So a full slate here. Um, But before we get to that, we will start things off with our take of the week. So Ryan, as always, take us away. All right. This week, we got Molly McCann straight up embarrassing on Saturday (laughs) night. I mean, it was, I was, you know, I sometimes I feel embarrassed if you watch something cringy on TV or something. I, I literally felt embarrassed for her when, just during the whole thing. It was absolutely insane. Her running, I mean, she just, she knocks out like very below average fighter, right? And she runs into the crowd, hugs Dana, grabs that fake belt from somebody in the stands, proceeds to bring it into the octagon, uh, hold it up into the air like she just won something, and uh yeah acted like she just won the world title like it was the most cringy thing i've seen in mma in a long time that happens happened after a win in the octagon it was absolutely ridiculous and then patty wins or whatever and she like tries to make it like all about her the camera's panning to her after he gets the knockout to like see what her reaction is she's jumping into the octagon it was it was just over the top and straight up embarrassing in my opinion yeah i have I have plenty to say about the whole the whole event. I think I might just be a total hater, but I'm going to save it for a little bit later. But I will just kind of dive into that and uh, say that it was all just a step too far for me. Uh, the celebrate the 30 minute celebrations after every fight, um, basically fighting the basically the lowest of the low. Like basically, they matched some of these people up with like the worst competition they could find, and. Uh, then they just paraded like it was a, like a world title fights. Yeah, I'm with you 100 percent there. Yeah, it was it was something else. I don't think it was super popular though, because I saw online too. People were like, "Okay, the belt thing was just like way too far, way too far." Yeah, yeah. What, I mean, what are you thinking? It's like you didn't win anything. You just like, you know, beat a below average opponent, and like you just, uh, I don't know, acting like you did something like you know unbelievable fringe ufc caliber to, i would i would call it and honestly I, th- right. I thought the fight was 1-1 going into the third and i thought she was kind of the third was close so like they like bisping would have you believing that it was like a flawless performance start to finish she started off super hot dominated the first round easily second round was pretty close and then third round was also pretty close. It very well could have been one to one. Now it was a great knockout. Can't can't deny that. You don't see that very often. Great finish. Obviously cool to do that in front of your home country, not necessarily your hometown, but and obviously London was excited to have UFC back. They basically built a London card. I understand everything that went into it, but um yeah, I mean that it was just excessive and obnoxious. Yeah. I, I totally agree. And worst, last thing I'll say about it, worst case scenario, whether you were being haters or not, and I'm definitely being a hater about this whole event, um, you at least got to be open to criticism if you're willing to go that far, like uh, that far above and beyond for your uh, celebration. Yeah. So so anyhow, move on to my, uh, my take this week. Um, I got Jorge Masvidal trying to suck the last bit of relevance out of his uh, his – I don't know what you'd call it, fast rise and even faster fall. Um, got himself a sucker punch of Colby Covington outside of a steakhouse in Miami, I guess. Um, apparently he's being charged with, I don't know, some sort of assault. I'm not sure how serious, but basically I look at this like he's taking he's losing, taking another L basically in my opinion. You had 25 minutes a couple weeks ago to do whatever you wanted, and uh, you got 50-40 and then you – Sucker punched a guy in the street. I don't know. It doesn't seem too cool to me. And uh, I'm I'm usually all for the drama and the funny business, but like 
it's just kind of lame when you really got dominated that bad not that long ago. Like, it wasn't like he met up face-to-face like he did with Leon Edwards. It sounds like you sucker-punched him. Yeah, and, and what makes this even more insane is word on the street is that um, basically um, Masvidal, it wasn't just like an accidental run-in or something like that. Like, oh, he found his location. Apparently somebody told Masvidal Kobe was at this restaurant, and he specifically went there and waited for him outside for him to walk out the front door. And then when he walked out the front door, um, attacked him. So like, it was like, he took it to another level. Like he was like, I'm going to wait out. I'm going to get a call. I'm going to take time out of my day to go <laughs> to where Colby Covington's at, sit and wait for him to exit the restaurant and then sucker punch him. And then, you know, jump him and sucker punch him. It's like straight up embarrassing. The guy's a loser. I've said he's a loser for a long time. You have, And this just, uh, really goes to show that that that's the truth i mean who does that like yeah like you said you just were in the octagon with him for 25 minutes like you had all the time in the world to to punch him and do whatever you need to do to settle the beef and you got your ass kicked and you know you could have done whatever you wanted in there but you couldn't so then you wait for him to when he's not expecting it walking out of a restaurant and then get your punch in it's like give me a break dude's a loser and that's coming from you he's not necessarily like a colby fan either it's just common sense fan yeah so so yeah i don't know maybe that'll be in your call later on or whatever but just a pretty wild story um undoubtedly they may you know uh give the casuals what you want and give them another rematch he gave him he got two fights against kamara usman maybe he'll get two fights against colby i don't know um Dana would love that to cut the promo, but so far I haven't seen a good video of it. I just saw Colby just talking to people saying like, I don't know. I think the restaurant owner was like yelling at Colby, like, why'd you bring this nonsense to my place? And he was like, what did I do? And they're like, well, you're posting stuff all over the internet. So everyone knows you're here. So I don't know, kind of a chaotic situation, kind of more like, uh, two idiots, uh, fighting, I guess. I don't know. Pretty stupid. So Anyhow, we'll move on to our uh, our recap, though. We got UFC London in the books. Kind of had a crazy, kind of almost like a pay-per-view feel to it. Clearly, the crowd was electric. They had a lot of hometown favorites or home country favorites. Um, kind of put them on a tee for them. I took a beating this week. Uh, lesson, before we start the recap, I'll just say lesson to be learned. Just because the lines get juiced up way beyond uh, way beyond value does not mean you got to fade every single one of them because some of these lines were outrageous, um, but they were still the rightful winners in most of these cases. So I took a beating because um, some of these some of these some of these guys were jacked up way too high, but still the rightful guys won some of these fights. We'll start things off with the main event: um, Volkov versus Aspinall. And uh, this is what I was worried about with Volkov was that he sometimes comes out and almost lays an egg. Uh, Aspinall was all over him from the start; really took it to him. Beat him down pretty quick. Impressive performance. I knew Aspinall was good. Probably one of the only, between him and Arnold Allen, probably two of the only guys on here that I legitimately know are elite competition. I just didn't know if he was going to be able to get it through Volkov that that quickly and easily, and he did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I liked Volkov in this one just because I, I, you know, what happens if it goes to later rounds, basically, and you know, Volkov hasn't really got finished very early in any fight. So I didn't really expect, I kind of expect Volkov to start kind of slow. It seems like he has been kind of recently, but I didn't expect him to be able to get finished that quickly, I guess. Um, so yeah, we were off on that one, but what are you going to do? Yeah, nothing major, just an impressive win for Aspinall. It's good to have another guy, versatile guy in the heavyweights. Arnold Allen, Dan Hooker, this one totally caught me by surprise. Again, I knew Aaron Allen was good. I just thought Dan Hooker was going to be a little more prepared for this fight. He literally was a punching bag. He stood there, took a beating, probably took 25 unanswered shots in a row. Fight could have been stopped several times. Nothing of any notice for Dan Hooker landed or anything in this fight. He basically got rocked right off the bat and never returned. Um, I don't want to say... Maybe some of these wars, uh, starting with the Felder War, then the Poirier War, then getting knocked out by Michael Chandler, and then, um, I mean, he had that good, I don't want to say necessarily say he's washed because he had that great performance against Hackprast, and then he got submitted by Makachev, but maybe the cut back to 45 is not the move. He's kind of a guy without a spot now, knows there's no future for him in lightweight. Featherweight looks like trouble because he did not look good. Um, 
maybe he's just uh he's just a little older and has a lot of fights under his belt and maybe it's just uh things will go downhill from here but tough look for dan hooker tough to bet on him after uh after this performance yeah i totally agree i mean he probably needs to stay at 155 i mean there's plenty of fights there yeah you're not going to be like in title contention at least not for a little while you're gonna have to get quite a few wins back on your belt to get back in that conversation but in the end like 145 clearly isn't the weight division for him He's, he's way too big definitely takes it out of him and, and his chin's compromised and uh, yeah, he couldn't even get going. So, um, yeah, I think he's just far too drained and, uh, yeah, needs to be fighting at 155 and, you know, needs to probably, he's taking these fights one after another after another. He's not taking much time off. I, I'd like to see him sit back, take like good about a year off, you know, yeah, and then get back into it. Then, you know, re, you know, figure stuff out, get back to just training and uh, not really sparring even a ton just try to get that chin back and then you know come back in like a year or so because he's taken fight after fight after fight and been in so many wars recently and he's back in there pretty quickly after so i think he needs some time off really yeah absolutely i agree 100 percent uh probably the people's main event patty patty the baddie versus uh kazula vargas i thought that this was just absolutely terrible showing for patty other than his walkout was electric awesome walkout fans were loving it guy's entertaining uh the fight was honestly terrible he submitted a guy that he submitted a white belt um i don't know what that fight lasted probably close to four minutes but about three and a half of those minutes were a terrible look for patty pimblett until he got the hip toss and then took the back and got the submission which was kind of like everyone knew was going to happen he got rocked right off the bat in like a terrible exchange and then he actually had Kazuo Vargas, who's not a ground guy, on top of him, kind of like mauling him for at least two minutes. I don't know. It was not a good look. Uh, it ended up finishing okay. Ended up being kind of high drama, giving the people something to be excited about. But again, similar to the Molly McCann thing we talked about, this is about the lowest level of competition you're going to find. If you're having trouble with these guys, then um, you know you, it's going to be uh, tough sledding to get better competition going forward. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Patty Pimblett, yeah, he's, he is electric, right? He, I mean, I think Ben hating on him, but, you know, I think he kind of won me over regardless. He's not like, you know, the next Conor McGregor. He's not the next anything. You know, he's more like the next Sean O'Malley. Yeah. Um, you know, he's just like a kind of a, a sellable um, character. But, yeah, um, exactly. And, and he's not an elite fighter. Um, I mean, Rodrigo Vargas, this was a straight-up can matchup. And it's like I heard a lot of people being like, you know, Patty Pimblett was just ridiculous odds to win this fight. But, I mean, he's fighting Rodrigo Vargas. So, like, you know, you can't just fade. If you're going to fade somebody, just make at least make sure the matchup's decent. Like, you know, at least yeah. have a guy that has ways to win. We saw Rodrigo Vargas, he got the takedown pretty easily. But then Patty Pimblett was able to get back up and then win it pretty easily from there. So, I mean, this wasn't really much of a matchup for him. He got the job done, faced a little bit of adversity. But, uh, yeah, I mean... I, there's he's got a ceiling on him it's not champion it's not top five it's maybe like top 10 like the fringe top 10 yeah i don't know we'll see yeah it's kind of one of those things where they better just keep giving him favorable matchups and make your money grow your popularity kind of and uh go from there but yeah i mean it was not i was not super impressed with the fight itself uh the atmosphere around it though was absolutely electric i have to admit the walkout was like you haven't seen a pop like that in a long, long time and excitement and everything. So um, he's got that going for him. The rest of it, I'm not sure. Uh, it's not maybe not a total package. Um, Gunnar Nelson, Takashi Sato, Takashi Sato. This was a uh, Gunnar Nelson show here coming back. I guess the question mark was how's he going to do after coming back after like, what, three years off? Um, he just pretty much coasted, uh, fought a guy without much ground game and pretty much just d- dominated him on the ground, put him in a body triangle, Round after round, three rounds in a row, kind of pounded on his head and uh, won a super easy decision. He was also, by closing time, was a super huge favorite. So kind of the expected here, and this was one that we, uh, um, I guess it was kind of an easy one to call, but one that we had, right? Yeah, exactly. This line got way out of control, too. It seems like, and I've noticed even lines for this week, since I looked at them a few days ago, have been starting to fly up pretty fast. It almost seems like you're going to have to be betting these like a week out. Otherwise, it's going to be like uh, kind of rough as far as uh, what you're uh, what you're going to be betting these at if you're betting them on the day of the fight. So, um, yeah, this one, I mean, it was a pretty easy win for, for Gunnar Nelson. Takashi Sato didn't really have anything for him. 
Um, you know, I think he should have went for it a little more, but he was just worried about the takedown and that just kept getting, you know, Gunner kept getting it and getting the win pretty easily. So, yeah, pretty much how we expected it to go, though. All right, then the painful one for me here, we got Nikita Krylov versus Paul Craig. Oh, man, this might be... I, I was I was way heated, way more heated on Saturday. That maybe it's not the dumbest loss I've ever seen in my life, but it's it's up there pretty high. I don't know where where would you rank this Nikita Krylov basically dominating the fight every second of the fight, and then like putting himself in, putting his arm up next to his ear and stuffing it right into Paul Craig's uh, triangle choke, like almost like I don't know, like almost like putting it on a tee for him to do his own special move that he does every time. And uh, yeah, this was awful. This has to be one of the dumbest losses of all time. And you know why it makes me so mad? What makes me so mad about it is we always talk about these lines where like Paul Craig was getting the benefit of the doubt because he's on like a decent winning streak, probably winning fights that he normally wouldn't win. So we were actually getting pretty good value on Nikita Krylov and, and people were taking Paul Craig and, we had the right read. We just you just can't you can't really factor for somebody being this stupid. Yeah, it was bad. I mean, basically, he was hitting him with some huge ground and pound. At one point, it looked like he knocked Paul Craig out and then woke him back up with another punch. But um, yeah, and then instead of like, so he's hitting him with some huge ground and pound. The one, the punch that he throws that ends up getting him submitted, he basically like kind of backhands swipes him almost him. like it wasn't swipes even a punch. Him. Yeah, a little backhanded swipe which basically just gave Paul Craig his arm. And then on top of that, he then kind of jumps slash falls straight into his guard and into the triangle. Paul Craig immediately locks it up in seconds. It was it was awful. It was very, very bad. It's almost like if you wanted to throw a fight, that's how you would do it. You literally just <laughs> literally jump into a triangle. I mean, it was bad. I, I have never seen anything. I mean, I've seen stuff like it seemed equally bonehead moves, but not in a while. Uh, you know, not for a while. That was that was really bad. And uh, yeah, he basically just gave Paul Craig the win. And uh, it wasn't like, you know, it just got a little too cocky with that ground upon he was landing. And then, um, yeah, just fell right into a triangle. It was it was terrible. Um, cause he was completely dominating him. You know, you had him hurt, like stand him up when you have him hurt. You're going to dominate him on the feet. Like you just basically do the one thing that you know, Paul Craig capitalized on and win. And yeah, I mean, minus 180, I really liked the line in Nikita Krylov there and, and should have got the win. It should have been an easy W and, uh, and Paul Craig gets another win. Yeah. I can't take that away from him other than next fight he gets. I'm, I mean, I'll have to see the matchup, but I feel like I got to get my money back out of this one. So nothing against Paul Craig, but like I'm on the Paul Craig fade train because he beat Jamal Hill in a kind of a bonehead move. Now he's beating Nikita Krylov in a bonehead move. We gotta. I gotta get it back somewhere down the line. So, next up, we got Jai Herbert, Ilya Taporia. This was an interesting one. Obviously, the Ilya Taporia fighting up a weight class. Little kind of a this line also spiraled out of control. We have it listed here at four thirty-five. I think it got even higher than this. Um, it was like minus seven hundred. I think like by the time the fight. So yeah, they all they all got out of control. And if you were gonna try to get value on something. I mean, Ilya Taporia, on a card of some not-so-real prospects, this guy actually is a legit prospect, but he was fighting up a weight class, and we've never seen him at 55 before. And uh, this was the uh, this was the fight, I mean, that where there was more unknowns here than we really thought. We just all thought this guy's solid as a rock, nothing to worry about. And he got tagged early. He got hurt bad early in this fight. Um, surprising he even survived it, but kind of showed why he's uh, he's as legit as it gets because he came back and then he uh, he landed probably the most devastating one of the most devastating punches of the night. Uh, finished in style, got himself a bonus. Great uh, ended up being kind of a great all overall showing for him. But man, he was hurt bad from those uh, Jai Herbert kick and punches. Yeah, Jai Herbert had him on skates. I mean, he was out. He was like he was rock bad. Um, I thought it was going to be all Jai Herbert, but uh, Jai Herbert, it looked like he ended up uh, gassing a little bit uh, and just, I mean, he wasn't completely gassed, but he just, you know, we've seen it kind of can turn a fight when you're fighting somebody like Lilia Taporia, where you just lose a little bit and then he gets on you. So, you know, the second round starts and Taporia just jumps all over him. 
um, knocks him out. I really, that's what he needed. He just needed to close distance, get in there. And, um, he was having trouble doing that in the first round. It was more fighting at range and Jai Herbert had that range. He's a taller, longer fighter. And he was, you know, when he wasn't pushing to get inside, um, he was having some trouble. Jai Herbert was kind of like just throwing up these knees, not really to land them, but just to like, kind of, you know, make Ilya Taporia think about coming, closing the distance, shooting the takedown. And then I think it worked. And then eventually it's second round. He knew, you know, he had to just kind of bulldog him and he did. And he got the knockout and yeah, he not, he knocked him out clean. I mean, both, both this one and the, uh, the Molly McCann one, um, they were both out cold for like, a long it was time. Ridiculous. They were, they, yeah, they were laying there for quite a while. Yeah, they were pretty brutal knockouts. But yeah, that was and that was just a monster punch he landed on him. So, uh, last up, we got Jack Shore, Team Revaliev. I thought this was a pretty good fight here for the line. Uh, we were both on Team Revaliev. Jack Shore ended up getting the job done. Uh, one thing about Team Revaliev is he does get tagged sometimes and he does get dropped. He ended up. I mean, Jack Shore just ended up outlasting him. I thought Valiev won the first round. I thought Shore looked pretty uh, frustrated after the first round. He was a lot bigger than Valiev and uh, dropped him in the second round. Still a close round. Uh, then he just took over in the third round. So good win for Jack Shore. I knew this was a close fight. I was never, like, super big on Timur Valiev being, like, a big favorite here or anything. But um, I did think that it was a, a evenly matched fight. Yeah, it was evenly matched. I mean, it was 1-1. I think going into the third, and I mean besides the two knockdowns, they're just flash knockdowns. But um, it was a really close third round too. I mean Valiev could if if it take away those knockdowns, if they're just like good punches, it was fairly close third round. Um, yeah, it just seems like Valiev he's not chinny in the fact that he gets knocked out, but he's chinny in the fact that he can get dropped quite a bit. He recovers extremely fast, but. It just looks bad to the judges when you yeah. get, when you get sat down, even if it's just for a second. Um, so yeah, I mean Jack Shore got the win. Um, I don't know. I, I see a lot of people like really high on Jack Shore. I'm not super high on him. I don't think he's like next big thing. I don't think any of these really um, UK fighters are. Um, they're like just were like very overrated. I feel like in this fight, everybody who's the commentary team i mean i think you're gonna speak on here in a little bit they're <laughs> acting like all these people are future world champions and like you know like uk has the best talent ever coming out of it but like they got kind of matched up here um well um and uh yeah they had the crowd on their side i mean don't get me wrong the, it was an unbelievable like uh atmosphere at the o2 yeah. i mean the the crowd was insane we haven't heard anything like that for a fight night i don't think ever it was it was wild but uh yeah, I feel like uh, they were definitely um, kind of buying into the atmosphere a little bit on the broadcast for sure. Yeah, most definitely. So that kind of sums up the uh, basically the overall thoughts on the event. Is that it was, uh, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a, it was, it was a, it was a good fight night. It was one of the best fight nights of the year. One of the, it was one of those fight nights that kind of almost felt like a pay per view. They almost should have just thrown somebody at the top. I don't know what they could have got at the top, but they almost should have just made it a pay per view because. It did have that pay-per-view feel to it. I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it was a fight, and I'm glad it was an early card. Glad it was over early, but um, yeah, I mean, uh, it was uh, it was kind of a European uh, a European showcase, especially a British showcase. So um, I'm sure they're happy. So uh, we can kind of close the book on it and move on to our our segments here. Our isn't he awesome and our weekly call out, which I think it's my turn to go first. I don't remember, but I'll start. So I got uh, Isn't He Awesome this week. I got Kamara Usman. Um, basically just gets to sit back and laugh while his two children are out fighting in the streets of Miami. Uh, basically, he, uh, he's he got the belt. He's got everything he needs. And uh, his Goonie, number two, and I don't know where Masvidal even ranks at now, but um, they're out fighting in Miami. Kamar Usman, he was not far up the street. I'm not sure where exactly. Sanford, somewhere in that area, the South Florida area. But yeah, he's got these he's two idiot kids that he dominated both of them, and they're uh, they're in, they're fighting in the streets. So uh, shout out to Kamar Usman for keeping it classy uh, while his uh, while his goonie uh, challengers are just uh, embarrassing themselves. And uh, weekly call out this week, I got the uh, basically I'm just going to go full hater mode, weekly hater. Uh, the whole UFC London event, just I know everyone loved it and it was I thought it was great, but I was 
I was almost sickened by the amount of nonsense that went on during this event. The 30-minute celebrations between every fight. We already talked about Molly McCann. We talked about Patty Pimblett. Um, just total, total sideshow. We got Mark Goddard, who's like a coach of MMA fighters in the UK, giving Arnold Allen the thumbs up through the cage when he's like the cage side ref. I don't know what the cage side ref does. I don't know if they're in charge of the clock. I don't know if they're in charge of replays. I don't know, but right after he gets the stoppage win, I mean, Mark Goddard really shouldn't even be reffing these fights. These are like basically his kids and they're fighting. Um, you got the broadcast booth just openly cheering for every single British fighter or European fighter or whatever. The whole time, it's like, I don't know. If anyone else did this, like if anybody was just like openly rooting for their, like if DC was who people accuse of, like he's not even this one-sided for like AKA fighters, not even close. It was like the worst, like we were all just supposed to buy in that this was like the UK's day and that we were all just supposed to be a part of it. And I think a lot of people did and they were fine with it, but I just thought it was like beyond obnoxious. And then to to kind of top it off, like the only guys with legit wins, Arnold Allen, I guess Aspinall kind of got some credit, but like Arnold Allen was like the least heralded one of them all. And he probably had the most impressive performance. Meanwhile, Patty, Patty the Batty and uh, Molly McCann both beat like fringe, fringe, lucky to be here UFC fighters. And it was like a, a world championship. So thought it was just obnoxious. Day got off to a bad start when uh, my my lead anchor piece, Nikita Krylov, really uh, screwed me over, got a terrible, and that's on me. But the rest of it, man, it was just like, it was hard to sit through some of it at times. It was just, the whole thing was just completely obnoxious. Yeah, completely agree. Like, I mean, it would have been great if it was just the atmosphere, and then the broad—excuse <clears throat> me—the broadcast booth was, uh, you know, somewhat unbiased. But it was insane. No, it was just a complete like it was a circle. Yeah, jerk. it was just complete like UK show, and that they were just all about it all the time, and like they couldn't do anything wrong. It was literally like even if they did do something like. Even if a non-UK fighter was doing good, they barely spoke on it. They would just wait until the the next thing happened that the UK fighter did good. It was it was absolutely ridiculous at times. I mean, Molly McCann. Another thing, just to mention on her, was she even speaking English in her <laughs> post-fight outcome interview? Literally, it took me at least a few minutes to realize that she was speaking English. I thought she was speaking a different language, and then would throw in English every once in a while. But it was absolutely ridiculous. She couldn't understand a single word she was saying. Um, Absolutely insane. They gave her and Patty Pimblake said softball matchups, and they act like they just, uh, you know, won world the belt. Title. I mean, Molly McCann thought she won the world title, I think. I don't know. But, um, yeah, and then it was just out of control at times. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I can't wait to see all these people get smashed. It'll be even better if it's in the U.K. when they get smashed, uh, when they actually have to fight some better quality opponents. Uh, but, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, the only guy they didn't do the favor for was Jai Herbert. They really – they really did him no favors. And uh, just to like the talk about like Bisping, who clearly is just like, I mean, these are his boys, but Arnold Allen's beating up on Dan Hooker, and he's like, oh, Dan Hooker needs to shoot for a takedown. He's hurt. And then Arnold Allen shoots for the takedown, and Bisping just openly yells like, no, no, not you, Arnold. You don't shoot for the takedown. Like, he's yeah. like, all right, dude, we clearly know which side you're on. Like, you're supposed to be a commentator. You're not his coach. You're the fucking broadcaster. Yeah, and then you got Mark Goddard giving him the thumbs up from cage side after he gets, like, a big win. It's like, dude, you're a ref. And then, of course, Mark Goddard's refing the main event. Somebody, somebody like, early in the fights requested, like, that they got hit in the balls, and they took, his, they took the other guy. It might have been Jack Shore. Said he got hit in the nuts when he really didn't, and they took the position away from Timor Valley of right away. I think it was Goddard refing it. It was just like, dude, this was like, just like, it was just a home game for him where like, yeah, it was, it was like their house, their rules. Yeah, exactly. But all right, I'll hit my eyes in the awesome real fast. I'm yep. going with uh, Patty the Batty as, uh, as one side as the matchup and as much as I hate on the UK <laughs> fighters. I mean, I couldn't stop singing Patty the Batty. Dude, just walk that out of the my head. I, Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was just a, a good, solid performance by him. I mean, yeah, he was fighting a complete can, but uh, he gets the people going, and that's all you can ask for, right? He gets, uh, gets everyone going. I was, I was going um, at, at some point during the fight. Well, but, I wanted uh, him to win. I was, I, was, I was on the edge of my seat. I just felt like it wasn't a good – I felt like he was losing, and then it was dramatic is what it was. It was like 
it was like, dang, I didn't think this was going to be this close of a fight. And then it was like, then he turned it around. But yeah, it just goes to show like he's going to have a lot of trouble once he starts moving up, the, <laughs> moving up the rankings here. If he's having any, you know, any fighter that's worth the salt shouldn't have any problem disposing of uh, Kazula Vargas. You know, there should not be any drama and any dramatics, any any question of if you're going to win that fight. You should just completely dominate. I mean, um, but I mean, what are you going to do? And he is electric at times, so is- got to give him a shout out. I-, I can't wait to see his next fight. You know, win or lose, it's like. It's not one of these guys I watch to see lose, but it's not really somebody I watch to see win either. I'm just I'm just here for the show, so the walk we'll, uh, the walkout we'll, we'll enjoy that one. The walkout really sticks out to me. Like, when's the last time you saw like a walkout that that like electric? Because the first time he fought, he was in the apex, so there was no crowd, and then it was just like because you can't fake that, and you can't like you can't manufacture it, and you can't like it can't be it can't be bought or like hyped artificially. Like there's real like the real Whatever he did, he did it right. Like whatever he's done to build his following and build like his uh, his kind of like uh, his brand, it he really did a good job, accidentally or on purpose. But it's uh, it really is like an electric walkout, what we haven't seen in a long time. Yeah, he's got the uh, he's got the goofy haircut that every kid that wants long hair, but their parents make them, you know, <laughs> shape it up. Has you know, at some point in their lives, um, so you know, you gotta love that. So. But uh, a full-grown adult somehow still having that same hairstyle. But um, I guess he doesn't even seem like an adult. I th- what is he, like 20, 26, 27 27, or something? I think. Yeah, but, yeah, Patty the Batty, got to give him the isn't he awesome. Weekly call-outs, we've, t- we've kind of touched on all the ones I had, but uh, I'll just uh, go over them here real quick. Molly Meat, Bob McCann, complete moron. George Jorge Masvidal, complete moron. Um, you know, get it done in the octagon. If you can't get it done in the octagon, just leave it at that. You don't need to track down Colby Covington and jump him outside of a a, re- a restaurant after he just ate his meal. Uh, and the Creedy Krylov, like, come on, man. Jeez. He completely screwed us. I mean, it wasn't a good betting night for us regardless, but we're just going to take it out on you anyways. And, uh, yeah, you just, what are you doing? You jump into a triangle. It's the only thing you had to avoid. And, literally. And uh, you, you literally looked like you tried to lose the fight. So, Absolutely awful performance. Meatball Molly McCann, just embarrassing. And uh, Masvidal, cringe king. <laughs> yeah, you had, we had a full list this week. Yeah, I I agree 100%. Um, like I said, just the lesson to be learned about this, about this card is, even though we were right, these lines were way overjuiced and way overjacked. The, they still had the right guys on the winning end of it. More of a, it should have just been more of a pass card than a, than making a play on some of these play, some of these plays. But either way, you live and you learn. We're still way up on the season, like we've been doing well. Um, this was my worst week in a long time, but um, not going to get too bent out of shape about it. So, and some not yeah. ba- some not bad car fights this week. Again, this week it's more like some of these lines are out of hand, but I feel more confident in the. Uh, in the favorites so it's a little different this week so we'll kind of see if we can uh kind of flip the balance this week so um otherwise we're i think we're ready to move on to our preview here we got a ufc fight night 207 is this still at the apex we're not on the road yet at some point they're going on the road oh they're in columbus no, this one's in ohio yeah this is in columbus ohio so they are back on the road which i don't know why it just feels like i don't know that's that's exciting to me i'm happy they're back on the road I kind of like seeing the crowd at like the different weird little venues, like all the different ones they go to that are sometimes are, I don't know. It's just nice to see like the different, different crowds, different atmospheres, but anyhow, it's just a good kind of a kind of benchmark. Cause we're looking at really just over, just over two years since they, they shut everything down after UFC 248. So back on the road, back doing it, uh, back doing the live shows. So, uh, start things off with Chris Dawkins fighting Curtis Blades in the main event. Chris Dawkins has been pretty active, um, but he is a plus 300 underdog here versus Curtis Blades minus 400. Um, on dra- that's on the DraftKings line. Um, Chris Dawkins kind of taking a little heat after his loss to uh, to Derek Lewis in was that in, I think that was in December, and then I'm not sure he did not fight. Yeah, this is his first fight since December 18th, but. Uh, a lot closer line against Derek Lewis. We kind of sniffed that one out. Curtis Blades, I think they're looking at this like he'll probably be able to get him down 
Uh, probably be able to strike with him pretty pretty close. I think Dawkins might be a little better striker than Curtis Blades, but um, I think Blades will be able to get him down and have his way with him. I do think Blades is slightly chinny. I don't think he's super chinny, but Dawkins could maybe land something on him. But I think Blades just has more paths to victory and a better shot of implementing his own game plan here. What's your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I like Curtis Blades in this one. Granted, I don't like, you know, minus 300 heavyweights, uh, but uh, I do like Curtis Blades here regardless. Um, I I don't know. I just think he's got proven five-round cardio, right? I mean, I know he's got proven four-round cardio. Fifth round gets a little bit dicey at times, right? But um, if you make him work the entire five rounds. But uh, Chris Dawkins, I think he's a little bit, you know, we know he's a little bit undersized for a heavyweight. Um, you got Curtis Blades, who's a good-sized heavyweight. I think he should have the strength advantage, power advantage. Chris Dawkins might be a little bit better on the feet, but um, not by much. I know people say Curtis Blades is chinny a little bit. I don't. I don't think he's chinny, right? I mean, he got knocked out by Francis Ngannou and Derek, and Derek Lewis. Lewis. Like, who's who's not going to get knocked out by those guys, right? So I, I don't really think he's chinny. I, we haven't seen him. He's fought plenty of people. Those are the only two people his chins, you know, not held up against. So. I think he's going to get the takedowns. I think he's going to grind out this fight, and I think he'll beat beat Chris Dawkins here. Pretty, you know, I think it should be a somewhat easy win for him. Yeah, I mean, really, Curtis Blades has only lost to the elite of the elite. Like, he has been a proven commodity. You just see his recent lo- <clears throat> his recent loss, and actually, he was a huge favorite of Derek Lewis as well. So, I do think Curtis Blades uh, kind of flies under the radar, at, even though he is one of the most one of the top of the top of the heap heavyweights. Um. But anyways, move on to Alexa Grasso versus Joanne Wood. We got Alexa Grasso minus 235, Joanne Wood plus 195. I think this is probably a pretty easy Alexa Grasso spot here. 235 is not even a horrible line in my opinion because we just saw, who did we just see Joanne Wood? Talia Santos just blasted Joanne Wood a couple months back, maybe six months ago. I'm not sure exactly, but... um, I think it'll be much of the same against Alexa Grasso. Joanne Joanne Wood was kind of a she kind of had a run a while back, but I think this is uh, probably a good spot for Alexa Grasso. Yeah, definitely. I, I I really like Alexa Grasso in this one. I mean, Joanne Wood, face it, she just you know she beats the competition that really shouldn't be in the UFC. That's going to get cut. Anybody who can stick into the, in the UFC for any period of time, she loses to. I mean, she's fought some close fights, but she, you know, kind of like those mid-tier fighters that stay in the UFC but are at the bottom of the rankings. She has close fights with but loses. Um, she just gets beat by anyone that's on the upper side of the division, and uh, anybody who's going to be a washout, she beats. Alex Grasso, you know, she's kind of, you know, not an elite fighter, but she's decent, and uh, I think she beats Joanne Wood here pretty easy. Uh, yeah, I'm with you there. All right, this one's interesting. Askarov Asgara versus Kaikar France. We got Askarov minus 350, Kaikar France plus 290. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people very tempted to take Kaikar France here. Um, he's kind of a kind of a wild man. He's had some good wins recently, kind of on everyone's radar. Um, I just don't know. I mean, I don't. I just think that Askarov Askarov is kind of an underrated guy. I think he's probably the next title shot guy. Um, I don't like the line, obviously, because a guy like Kaikara France can make things happen, but um, I just probably a pass for me. I'd probably lean in Askarov, though. What's your thoughts on this fight? Yeah, I like Askar Askarov here. Um, Kaikara France, he's good, but I just think Askar Askarov's better. He's, he's pretty legit. I mean, his last four fights, you got Joseph Benavidez, Alexander Pantoja, Tim Elliott, and Brandon Moreno, all Three wins, one draw. Um, I mean, solid, uh, solid um, resume. He's coming into this fight with Kai Car France. Also has a good resume. I just, you know, Asker Askarov. I think is the better fighter. I think he'll get the win. I think he'll outwork him. And uh, I mean, Kai Car France could get this win. The line's a little wide, but uh, I think Asker Askarov's the way to go on this one. Yep, I'm with you 100% there. All right, Matt Brown. Interesting fight here. We got Matt Brown um, and Brian Barberena. Got a dead even pick him across the board. Five dimes has Brian Barberina minus 105, Matt Brown minus 115. I have, I like Matt Brown a lot, always have, but have a hard time betting him in any scenario. Um, again, this is probably just a pass for me, uh, just because I never know what to expect out of Matt Brown at this point in his career, but um, also not 
not going to put it down on Matt Bryant Barberini either. What are your thoughts on how this one goes down? Yeah, I like Matt Brown here. I mean, Brian Barberina in his heyday. Um, you know, I might be going Brian, Bar- Brian Barberina, but um, at this point in his career, I, I think you got to be on Matt Brown in this fight to pick him. I mean, Brian Barberina, you're looking at, he took a beating in that Vicente Luque and then the Randy Brown fight. They've given him some kind of easier matchup since then with the Anthony Ivey, Jason Witt, and Darian Weeks. But um, regardless, he's taken some beatings. And uh, I know he had um, he's had some surgeries he's coming off of, um, some issues that he was having trouble, uh, trouble with and uh, was having trouble coming back from. Um, just getting to the point where, you know, it almost seems like he needs to be hanging it up here soon. And uh, I don't know, Matt Brown, he's just tough. I, I think these guys are two guys on their way out. But I think uh, even though Matt Brown is pretty old and has seen his better days, I think he's uh, got a little bit more in the tank to, uh, than Brian Barberina does at this point. Yeah, I'm with you there. You talk about having what's left in the tank. It's kind of a uh, kind of both have some empty tanks we're working with here. So that's one. Well, I guess we'll see kind of a legend matchup, even though I wouldn't really consider Barberina to be legend but we'll see how it goes down uh Alir Latifi versus Alexi Olenek um Alexi Olenek plus 170 Alir Latifi minus 200 hate to bet minus 200 on Alir Latifi anywhere but Alexi Olenek talk about not having much left in the tank I don't know I thought he retired and I thought he I don't know I thought Alexi Olenek has been done like three or four times now I also thought Alir Latifi was done so I don't know where any of these guys are coming from at this point but (laughs) Um, right. I, th- I thought Alexi Olnick was ab- actually retired and he's earned the right to retire. He has like a hundred pro fights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think, uh, I'm on Lear Latifi on this one. I mean, like you said, I don't love being on Lear Latifi at heavyweight, but, uh, going to have to do it in this fight. Olenek, he's just, uh, he's definitely seen his better days like <laughs> by quite a bit. Um, as far as how I see this one going, I think, you know, Lear Latifi, I think he's going to get the takedowns. He's not going to do much with them. He's just going to kind of keep it there. I think once he gets Alexia Olenek on his back, Olenek's going to have trouble getting up. Um, at this point, it's just, I I think, you know, even without somebody on top of him, he might have trouble getting <laughs> up and getting taken down. Um, so I think it's going to be a boring fight. It's not going to be a good one. It's not going to be fun to watch, but... I think you're going to see Alir Latifi push him up against the cage, take him down, and just kind of uh, just kind of work to keep him there, mix in a few strikes here and there. It's going to be, um, you know, low strikes on both sides, um, some ground control, and just a boring fight altogether. But I think uh, Alir Latifi will get the win. Yeah, if you're looking for a fight that looks like people like fighting underwater or like in syrup, it's good. this would be the fight. Like they very well <laughs> yeah, may right. wing haymakers at each other, but there's not going to be much speed on them. Um, I guess, I guess what happened to Alexi Olnick is his superpower used to be just taking a beating until he finally gets a submission in. And, uh, over the years, he's been able to take less and less of those beatings. So I think, uh, I think, uh, time just kind of caught up to the guy who's just has so many pro fights. Like it's just unbelievable, but we'll move on to, uh, our next fight. We got Mark D. Casey. Where's this line at here? Mark D. Casey versus uh Borishev um Mark Diacasey plus 135 Borishev minus 155 I do remember Borishev winning by I think body shot against Dakota Bush probably a couple months ago um I think that was on a fight night not that long ago that's the only thing I remember of him Mark Diacasey though tell you what I know about him this guy should have been on the London card, but they probably couldn't find anyone bad enough to guarantee a Mark Casey win because this guy blows every fight he's in. So even though he's a British fighter, there's nobody for him to fight that they can guarantee a win because this guy is as unreliable as it gets. And uh, as a slight underdog here, I, I mean, I'm just auto-fade on Mark Casey even without knowing too much about his opponent. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Borchev, I think, is the way to go on this one. If nothing more, then Mark Casey can find a way to lose almost any fight. Um, at times, he looks really good, but more often than not, he looks really bad, right? And there's no in-between for this guy, and it's like 75% looks absolutely awful. <laughs> 25% looks like, you know, he could be moving to the top 10 of the division. So, But more often than not, you're going to see this guy doesn't really can't really get anything going on in there. Borchev, 
He's pretty solid. Um, you know, he hasn't really had the toughest. It's just one fight since his contender series win. Uh, he beat Dakota Bush, like you said, by liver shot in round one. He's got power. Um, he wins a lot of fights by knockout, and I think he uh, should be able to uh, take Dia Casey out here. Yeah, and I'll, uh, unless Bisping's calling the fight, you're probably – I mean, Bisping will still tell you that Mark Dia Casey is like a highly touted prospect, which we all remember he was about five years ago, four years ago. But that has all just gone down the drain. I didn't even know Dia Casey was still in the promotion. His last few losses have been brutally bad. So – um, like I said, I'm just auto-fade on him. I'll, I'll revisit that next week and uh, see how that goes for me. But move on to Jennifer Maya versus uh, Mannion Fior. Uh, we got Maya plus 360, Fior minus 450. Did not realize the line was this wide here. I am on Fior, but I didn't realize that this line was uh, uh, had gotten this had grown this wide. Again, Jennifer Maya, kind of like Joanne Wood, another one that – has had a couple good wins and maybe thought that it was like on her way to a challenging for a title. I don't, maybe she did fight for the title. I don't know. They all have at one point or another. Yeah. It looks like she did fight against uh, Shevchenko at one point, but just another one that's just kind of a easily forgettable, easily beatable uh, fighter here. So I think that this line is maybe in line, but maybe a little wide, but rightfully so. Yeah, it's definitely a little wide. I mean, it's women's MMA. We don't like putting this much on on anyone in women's MMA, really, unless it's like the select few. But uh, Man and Fiora, she looked she's looked good, right? She's uh, looked pretty solid. Um, she beat that Myra Bena Silva, Tabitha Ricci. I mean, Tabitha Ricci, she's basically a giant <laughs> fighting major in that fight. But the Myra Bueno Silva was a little bit better. They kind of traded quite a bit, but uh, it was a li- it was closer fight than I thought it was going to be. But Fiora ended up, you know, with the win. Uh, pretty convincingly, but I mean, Silva definitely had her moments in that fight. Um, this fight, though, I mean, I think pretty much Jennifer Maya, I think she's very overrated. Her striking's not good. Man and Fiora should definitely beat her there. You got to worry about, you know, the takedown. We haven't really seen Fiora fight somebody who, who has a good ground game, who has good wrestling, but Jennifer Maya doesn't have good wrestling, right? She can't really get fights to the ground. She does have decent BJJ if she can get it there. I just don't think she's going to be able to get there, at least not consistently enough. And, uh, yeah, I think Fiora will get the win. All right, there you have it. All right, last fight we're going to go over here. We got sneaking onto this card. We got Neil Magny versus Max Payne Griffin. Um, I got to find this line here, but I got Neil Magny minus 235, Max Griffin plus 195. With this line here, and I would say, unfortunately, I do have Neil Magny as my winner, but I do not like that line being that wide. Um I don't know if I don't want to be a Max Griffin hater. I'm not a super high on Max Griffin. He's had some good wins, but um, Neil Magny's just been a solid, uh, solid all-around guy. I think the worst we saw of Neil Magny was that uh, kind of bad, embarrassing loss to Michael Chiesa where he got mauled, but that was kind of a matchup. Chiesa's game is Magny's game, and Chiesa just happens to be a little better at it. I think this is probably a good fight for uh, Neil Magny to come through for us here. Again, I don't love the line, but... Um, I do think the rightful winner, and I'd be fairly confident in making that pick. Yeah, definitely. I, I really like uh, um, our guy. Yeah, out <laughs> of my time, Black. Now I, I like Neil Magny in this one for sure. Um, I think Max Griffin, right? He's just uh, he's not that good. I think this is a, one of these classic easy wins for Neil Magny, where. Um, you know, Max Griffin's just one of these guys where Neil Magny can fight his Neil Magny game plan. He's just going to kind of be all over him. He's going to get the fight up against the cage, kind of smother him, hold him in good positions, take him down. Um, you know, it's not going to be a flashy win. It's just going to be a classic kind of grind him out, stay on top of him, smother him, and and beat Max Griffin, and that's how he's going to do it. I mean, Max Griffin just its kind of a guy who beats, like, the middling guys, loses to anybody that's a little bit above that. Neil Magny's definitely a little bit above middling, and uh, I think this one should be somewhat of an easy win for for Magny. So, yeah, like you kind of saying earlier, we have a lot of uh, lines that are a little bit wide, but I think there's some decent ones we can pick here and kind of parlay together to get some uh, decent value out of this one. Yeah, most definitely. It's mostly just, yeah, it's mostly just, fa- it's like last week's card, except this week I'm actually on board with most of the favorites being fairly confident that they are going to uh, bring it home so yeah I mean not done not a huge under, any under, huge underdog plays I love or anything like that just uh 
solid parlay pieces, and uh, we're going to try to get back some of what we lost last week. Yeah, exactly. There's not really a ton to bet straight up on this one, but yeah, like we just said, I think you can find some some decent parlays mixed in here. And uh, yeah, so I'll just give us a re- little recap of the picture real fast. Curtis Blades versus Chris Dawkins. We're going Curtis Blades. Uh, Joanne Wood versus Alexa Grasso. We got Alexa Grasso. Asker Askarov versus Kai Kara France. We're going Asker Askarov. Uh, Matt Brown versus Bar- Brian Barbarina. It's the closest fight odds-wise of the night. We're going Matt Brown. Um, Alir Latifi versus Alexi Olenek. Alexi Olenek going Alir Latifi in a absolutely boring fight. <laughs> um, Mark Diacasey versus uh, Fe- Borachev. We'll just go Borachev. Uh, we're going with Borachev in that one. Uh, Jennifer Maia versus Manon Fiore. We're going with Manon Fioro in that one. And last but not least, Neil Magny versus Max Griffin. We like Neil Magny in that one. All right, there you have it. Anything you want to add before we wrap it up? Not really. I mean, like I said, it should be a decent one. I think we're going to bounce back from uh, from last week. Last week, I kind of, I don't know, I just had a bad feeling about it somewhat. Um, a lot of fights I didn't like. Uh, but, yeah, I, there was a few ones, but they were just huge favorites that we did like. And, and the ones that were close were just on the wrong side. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think we'll kind of bounce back this week and uh, should get some uh, get back to making some money here. All right, there you have it then. So we'll wrap it up, and we'll be back next week to recap. I'm not sure what we got coming up, but we will uh, we'll figure it out as we go. We got UFC 273 coming up at some point. So uh, after that, we'll be uh, we'll be uh, have things rolling again. So uh, we'll see you all next week, and good luck on your picks. Peace.